0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey
1: everybody, welcome into another Pipeline Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Jim Callison, and Jonathan Mayo of MLB Pipeline.com. All Star Weekend is a week away in Miami. The Futures game rosters have been announced. We'll get into the world and U.S. team. The College World Series is over with Florida winning its first national championship. Jim just got back from Omaha. And the Tournament of Stars is underway in Cary, North Carolina. That's where Jonathan is. So uh, the globetrotting MLB Pipeline guys are here for the podcast. And let's start with the Futures game, guys. And it's always fun to see these rosters come out and they tend to change a little bit over the, the final week, depending on little tweaks, injuries. Sometimes guys get called up and that sort of thing. But on initial uh, unveiling, I guess, of the roster, uh, 27 top 100 guys. So, And I know you guys uh, are, are part of the selection process. Uh, Jonathan, do you like how this these rosters turned out this year?
2: I do. I think they did a very nice job of, uh, of finding the right – the right fit. I mean, and there's, there's always going to be people, you know, uh, upset or this guy should have made it. This guy shouldn't have made it. But you know, given the the constraints, you know, every team needs to be represented, and largely you're not going to have more than than two guys uh, per organization. Uh, although there there you know are exceptions this year. Uh, you know, it, it makes it tough. But given those restraints, I I think that this year's rosters are are really, really good. It's a lot more top 100 guys than last year. Um, you know, and last year was another really good futures game. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, this one, at least in terms of sort of prospect talent and elite-level guys, uh, it's uh, pretty solid.
1: Fifteen. Yeah, I was t- going to say, no, go too,
2: that it,
3: well, whenever we get questions, I'm sure you've I've already gotten questions on Twitter, Jonathan, and I'm sure you have, too. A lot of times people don't realize that the teams have approval over – who is allowed to play in the game. So a lot of times we'll get hammered by people on Twitter who know we're part of the process. You know, why didn't you take so-and-so? And And look, we never reveal who's approved or not approved, and we try not to divulge anything that we shouldn't about the process. But a lot of times if there's an obvious guy who people want and they're wondering why he's not in the game, a lot of times it's simply that the team that he plays for chose not to make him eligible. But I I just wanted to second what Jonathan said. I I thought – you know, for the most part, I think you know we had most of the top players were approved by teams, and I think it's a really nice mix of players. Uh, you know, at all levels of the minor leagues. I mean, you have some new faces and you have some veterans, and you know, I know there's more of an emphasis on not having guys necessarily playing the game multiple years, which I was a little curious. Like, does that mean we aren't going to get the best prospect in baseball? Who was the MVP of the Futures Game last year? And Yohan Makata? But that wasn't the case. We, we got, you know, not a ton of repeaters, but, you know, Minkata and Eloy Jimenez of the Cubs are two guys who stood out last year's game, and, and they're back now as well. So, I, overall, I, I was very pleased with the process, too.
0: And
1: Mankata, of course, last year was representing the Red Sox. Now he's representing the White Sox. So I'm sure Chicago was thrilled to have him involved because for them it's not a second straight year uh, to have Mancada in this game. You mentioned it. It's a nice mix of single-A ball players, double-A ball players, and triple-A ballplayers. Uh, we won't go through the whole roster. You can find that on, on Pipeline.com and MLB.com. But I did want you guys to each pick uh, a pitcher and a position player from each team that you're really excited to see. Uh, Jonathan, I'm going to start with you on the. Let's start with the U.S. roster and the pitchers. Um, who's a pitcher on that grouping that you really want to see? Usually with the futures game, I know there's a lot of hard throwers involved.
2: Yeah, and, and that's uh, the same. Although well, there's some really good, pit, you know, just pitchers. Um, I'm going to let Jim talk about Michael Kopech, and I'm going to actually pick Jack Flaherty. And uh, I think the reason why I'm picking him is because I'm you know, I'm here at the USA baseball complex and the first time I saw him I think was as a sophomore in high school at the first national high school invitational, uh when he was here with Harvard Westlake, uh the team that had Max Fried and an injured Lucas Giolito and he stepped up big and uh he intrigued me then and he's kinda largely been the same guy since this like guy really, really knows how to pitch. And uh, he's in triple A now and pitching extremely well and I think he's just about ready for a call up. Uh, so I'm glad that he was able to to, to go this year. He's not going to come in and light up radar guns or be exciting, but he uh, is just a, a guy who has a really good feel for pitching and a guy that I've I've known since uh, I guess he was you know 16 years old. So it's uh, sort of fun to to see him in in this kind of setting now.
1: Jim, don't feel like you have to talk about Michael Kopech, but go ahead.
2: I'm
3: not going to. All it's, right. it's, it's, what's exciting to me about the Futures game is seeing guys that we haven't run into before. And I saw, if for whatever reason, just uh, when I was in the fall league last year, it seemed like almost every time Kopech pitched and I was in town, I was assigned to his game. So I actually got to see Kopech pitch, I think counting the Fall Stars game. I might have seen him pitch four or five times in the fall. So I'm going to go with Tristan McKenzie who, uh, of the Indians, uh, who really intrigues me. I mean, we're talking about he might be He might be about the skinniest pitcher in the minor leagues. He's listed at 6'5", 165. I think he's put on a little weight. But, I mean, this guy has just put up dominant numbers everywhere he's been. He's jumped to high class A this year at age 19. He's got 99 strikeouts in 77 innings. Opponents are hitting 189 off of him. Uh, I think this guy's going to move really, really fast. Uh, you know, he, he's got you know three pitches that are at least solid and can be plus. He throws a ton of strikes, and, and I've never run into Tristan McKenzie, uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He'd be the pitcher I'm most excited about seeing on the U.S. roster.
1: Six-five, one-sixty-five. You probably don't want to run into him. You got to be careful with that, <laughs> with that frame.
3: Well, are uh, you calling me fat, Tim, or are you <laughs> saying that I? It's, uh, I don't know what's going on there.
1: Saying he's a little thin. Uh You're solid. You're That's solid what we like is to what say. Projectable, Jonathan. How about a position player on the U.S. roster?
2: Oh, so many to choose from. Um, you know, I'm going to stick with my theme of seeing guys that I uh, saw in high school, and so I'll go with Brendan Rodgers, who I haven't seen uh, since high school. You know, did a bunch of stories on him, uh, his draft year. Uh, spent a lot of time with uh, he and his family. So excited that he's uh, he's going to be a part of it. Uh, about as big a no-brainer, I thought, just uh, given the year that he's having. I mean, he just was absolutely ridiculous uh, in, in the California League. He hit 400 with 12 homers uh, at the time of his promotion. And so he's been holding his own. He's only played about a week's worth of games in, in the Eastern League. It's going to be different. I still needs to work on the plate discipline a little bit. But I think he's done everything that people hoped he would when uh, you know, we had him at the top of our draft list and he ended up going number three overall to the Rockies.
1: Currently on the Hartford Yard Goats who have a home this year, so there's some more good news for Brendan Rodgers after they were uh homeless a year ago. Jim, go ahead.
3: Um I, I think I'll go with Kyle Tucker. I, I saw him I mean, it's been a while. I saw him at the Under Armour game in Chicago three years ago, um, and obviously a lot's happened for him since that was number five overall pick in the draft uh, 2015. Uh, I'm I really looking forward to him. I mean, you could pick a lot of guys on that U.S. roster, but, but but Tucker fascinates me. I mean, this is a guy who's one of the best pure hitters in the minor leagues. This year he, he started to add some power. Um, he's not like a, a flyer, but he, he manages to steal bases too. Um, you know, I think this is a guy, he's already made it to double-A, He's barely turned twenty. Uh, you know, I, I don't think we'll see him in the big leagues this year. But the rate he's going, I think we'll see him in the big leagues sometime next year. So I'm, I'm glad we get to see him. I'm glad the fans get to see him in the futures game because I don't. I, I suspect he's not going to be available for the futures game at this time next year.
1: In recent years, we've seen the U.S. squad kind of dominate um, in in the futures game a lot of a lot of the years, um, and some of that has been. Uh, the world pitching being obviously power arms, but sometimes not as polished yet when they get to the Futures game. So let's switch over to the world roster. Jim, you can go first and go with a pitcher.
3: Yeah, it's it's funny. You just kind of described the guy who I'm probably most excited to see, and there are a lot of interesting. I think the international pitching looks a little bit better than usual or a little stronger than usual. I don't know why exactly that would necessarily be, but I do think that's the case. And the guy, even though he's not having a great year, I'm really excited about seeing Yadier Alvarez of the Dodgers. I mean, he's in high class A this year. You know he's got ERA around five, although the California League's a tough place to pitch. Uh, you know, strikeout per inning. But I mean, this is a guy who I mean the arm is so quick. I mean, there's a reason he signed for sixteen million dollars and cost the Dodgers thirty-two million dollars when you factor in the, the overage tax penalties. I mean, he's you know mid nineties. He can hit triple digits. My guess is you know as we always see these guys you know pitching in one inning stints in the Futures Game. we'll, we'll probably see him light it up. Um, his slider can be a wipeout pitch. The curveball can be plus. He's got feel for changeup at times. I, I'm really, really excited about seeing
2: Yadir Alvarez
3: on the mound.
1: Jonathan, go ahead. Now, I'm trying to figure out which
2: Canadian pitcher um, <laughs> uh, has. I mean, with Cal Quantrill and Mike Soroka are both. You know, I'll, I'll say Soroka. I mean, uh, you know, he's a, a really interesting guy in that he's always had this ridiculously advanced field for pitching, which you don't expect from a, a Canadian high schooler. And, you know, he had a Absolutely fantastic first full season in the South Atlantic League a year ago and was really durable and just steady. And they double-jumped. He and a number of other pitchers up to double-A. And in a lot of ways, he's been better. I mean, 212 batting average against his whip is below one. Uh, He's got a 218 earn-run average. Uh, You know, it just continues to to get the job done. He's not a... um, you know, a huge strikeout guy, but he misses more than enough bats, and he's 19. You know, he, he doesn't turn 20, uh, you know, for uh, a little while till early August. And uh, for him to be doing what he's doing after double jumping has uh, it, been incredibly uh, impressive. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he handles the,
1: the big stage of the Futures game. Jim, how about a uh, world team hitter?
2: There's a
3: lot, because there's about three or four guys I've never seen in person that I'm really excited about, but I'll go. I, I, I like You guys were expecting me to go Kopech, and I didn't, but uh, I know I will not shock anybody by throwing out the name Vladimir Guerrero, Jr. I'm really what? excited he's in the game. I know. Who would have thought that? But, uh, you know, he, He's in low class A. I think he's only one of uh, a couple of players who are in low class A who are selected for the game. But but this guy is, you know, I guess the question for me is is he a better hitter than a slugger because he's both, I mean, you're talking about a guy who's 18 years old in the Midwest League, which is the hardest place to hit in the minors. He's hitting 309. He's got more walks and strikeouts. Um, he's got five home runs, which doesn't jump off the jump out at you. But he's got 19 doubles in 64 games. I've seen a number of guys over the years hit for you know hit a bunch of doubles and then it becomes a bunch of homers as they graduate from the Midwest League. I I've, I have made all kinds of bold proclamations and statements about how excited I am about this guy. I really wouldn't be shocked if if by midseason next year. When we have, you know, there's going to be some of our guys grudge off the list. If Vladimir Guerrero Jr. might be the number one prospect in baseball if he keeps hitting like this. I mean, he's he's unbelievable. It's like it's like his dad with, and I'm not saying he's going to be a, a Hall of Famer like his dad's going to be, but I mean, everybody makes the obvious comp to his dad for his ability to barrel the ball, but it's like his dad with, with more plate discipline, which is kind of scary.
1: Jonathan, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I like the sort of like his dad later in his career because he he sort of figures some of that out after years of hitting everything in sight. Um, there are uh, several tools the outfielders to choose from. Um, so I'll go with Victor Robles, who uh, could be our number one prospect, you know, uh, in, in, due, in due time. I mean, he's number five overall right now. Again, he just turned 20 in May. Uh, he's in, in the Carolina League Class A Advanced level and uh, continues to show... All of the tools, you know, he's hitting for decent averages, getting on base at a decent clip. He's got a good amount of extra base uh, poppy. And Jim talked about the doubles turning into homers. I I don't know that he's going to be like a a huge huge home run guy, but he does have 19 doubles. He's got six triples, uh, testament to how how fast he is, and seven homers. And he's also stolen 13 bases, so he continues to to move up the ladder and adjust and do extremely well. And uh, he's the kind of guy who I think could you know. Uh, He's such a dynamic player on both sides of the ball that I think he could uh, excite a lot of fans uh, at the Futures game.
1: So plenty of great players to look forward to seeing. All part of All-Star Sunday. A week from Sunday uh, is the Futures game in Miami, all part of All-Star weekend. All right, before we move on with the rest of the podcast, we want to take a second to tell you about the StatCast podcast, a show dedicated to the analytics that drive front office decisions in the modern game. It's hosted by Mike Petriello and Matt Myers, and this week they dove deep into StatCast's new sprint speed metric, finally answering burning questions like which MLB catcher is actually the fastest. If that's something you want to hear about, you can download the show on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcast by searching for StatCast Podcast or by going to www.statcastpodcast.com. All right, well, I wanted to touch on uh, your travels, the two of you. Uh, let's start with the College World Series since that is now over. And Florida finally gets that national title. They've obviously been a contender for years now. Um, and they're there, I think, one of four programs now, Jim, I don't know if you can verify this, that have won national titles in uh, football, basketball and baseball, I think. Um, but what stood out to you at the College World Series as far as the Gators finally getting that title?
3: Yeah and it's I I did see that note. I can't remember if it was four or five teams, but I did see that note after they won uh yeah you know, I, I was happy for Florida. I mean, not that I was rooting against LSU or, or anyone in particular, but you know LSU's won six national titles and I had written, I mean, I, I really do think Florida was the best team that had ever won a national title uh or best program. And you know they'd been to Omaha. This was their sixth trip in 10 years under coach Kevin O'Sullivan. Um you know, and the funny thing is, and I think this happens a lot in sports, this was not Florida's best team. I mean, this was a very good team. They obviously won the national championship. But last year's team, which I, I believe was the number one overall seed going into Omaha, I might be wrong on that, and got eliminated in two straight games to the point where A.J. Puck didn't even start a game in Omaha, and he was the sixth pick in the draft. But last year's team had, had five pitchers drafted in the first four rounds that obviously weren't there this year. And the last two teams, the 15 team was in Omaha as well, had four hitters who were drafted in the top three round. I mean, this it was a kind of an ordinary lineup by, by Florida standards. And, you know, the, their pitching was their strength. Everybody knew that. I mean, they have Alex Fieto, who was the most outstanding player, pitched 14 to the third innings, gave up no runs, five hits, 22 strikeouts, and two starts against a very good TCU team. He was first-round pick of the Tigers this year. He was MVP. Brady Singer pitched very well, won two games. He's going to be a first-round pick, maybe number one overall next year. And Jackson Coar who struck out 11 in five-plus innings in his start. He'll probably be a first-round pick next year, but it was, it was funny how it worked out that for the clinching game, because Florida had to play an extra game. They, they, they were 2-0 and but then lost, and so they had to play an extra game. Their pitching was a little, little messed up. In terms of guys who were rested, they couldn't start any of those guys, and they wound up starting a kid named Tyler Dyson, who was not even a full-time pitcher until he was a senior in high school last year. Freshman, he made one start this year. Lasted a inning and two thirds against Florida State, and that was it. He was kind of became their setup man, their, their number two reliever. Well, he got the start on on Tuesday night with a chance to clinch College World Series and, and pitch six innings and only gave up one run and sat 92-95 with a hard slider throughout, and that was kind of his coming out party. I think uh, you know, and this is a guy. I mean, he he doesn't even pitch out of a windup yet. He doesn't really have a changeup yet. I mean, he's still very much a work in progress. But but that guy might be a first round pick. Uh, in, in two more years, so it was uh, it was interesting Florida just kind of did you know in the three games I saw them win. they did just enough offensively to score enough runs to win and, and relied heavily on their pitching with the with the three first rounders and and and, and Dyson pitching very well and then what turned out to be the clincher and Michael Byrne, who 's a sophomore led the nation with nineteen saves, pitched pretty well also um, got knocked around a little bit on Tuesday and they brought in coer who would have started wednesday had it gone that far and he was throwing 97 98 in short stints and locked down that win so it was uh, it, it, i always enjoy the event i think i've told you guys i know i've told hundreds or probably thousands of people it's my favorite baseball event i've been to 29 of them now um love the city love the event it's very good baseball you see a lot of very good players you know last year when we talked about it There had been a lot of upsets, and at the end, when it was Arizona versus Coastal Carolina, which was a tremendous final series, there weren't a whole lot of stud pro prospects. And this year it just seemed like there was better caliber of player. You know, Alex Lang for LSU, first-round pick of the Cubs, would have pitched on Wednesday had we gotten that far. And it just seemed like it was more prospects than there were a year ago. But it's always a great event. It's like, And Jonathan always gives me a hard time. I actually first met Jonathan, Tim, at the College World Series, I have no <laughs> recollection of, of
2: having so, so me- I was so memorable. Uh, uh, you know, it makes apparently sense. Apparently
3: we met for the first time over at Zesto's when Rosenblatt Stadium was still around, and yep. uh, I don't recall that at all. I, I will trust Jonathan's word, but uh, anybody listening, I, I cannot recommend that event highly enough. And what's great about it is, even this year with LSU fans all driving up from Baton Rouge, You can always get tickets. It's not one of these events where it's hard to get tickets. So anybody who wants to go to the College World Series, it's not like you get out there and you're stuck and you can't get in the ballpark. It's a pretty easy ticket to get with the general admission seating and people selling tickets for face value outside the games. It's just a great experience.
1: Yeah, certainly on the bucket list for me. I haven't been out there yet, but eventually sometime I will get out there. And there was the one big upset as far as Oregon State didn't make it to the final, and they were obviously the – the favorite number one team coming in, they didn't get there, but a great final anyway. Florida and LSU. All right, Jonathan, on to you. You're at the Tournament of Stars, so we go from college to the prep ranks. I guess my first question is for people that don't know, uh, just what exactly is TOS?
2: Sure, it's uh, it's basically the kind of the not the first step, but the first major step that USA Baseball uses uh, to figure out who's going to be on their 18 and under national team. Uh, that has been extremely uh, success in international competition. I think they've won gold medals the last three years running in whatever different event there is uh, in the fall. Uh, there are 80 players here this year. They've whittled it down a little bit. There used to be 100 and making up six teams. Now there are four teams, and they play games from Tuesday through Saturday. Um, Friday is a, like a workout day and a home run derby, uh, but the rest are you know are, are games and uh, some of the best high school talent. Uh, a lot of guys that are here will be. Uh, first round, you know, guys uh, in next year's draft class. uh, They'll whittle it down to 40, and then that team will have team trials uh, this year in Minneapolis in August before they uh, figure out the the final team, which goes on to Canada for international competition in September. But because there's so much talent in one place at one time, uh, there's got to be, I don't know, at least 100 scouts here uh, taking in all the actions because to see this kind of competition, and it's not like a one-day showcase, uh, you know, or a workout. They're actually playing games, and, and uh, you know, they do try to win, and there's a gold medal game on Saturday, uh, which will be uh, streaming live on MLB.com, in fact, um, on Saturday. But, you know, so it, it's good competition, and it's good to see how they re- sort of respond to uh, to the atmosphere and the spotlight.
1: All right. So so far, as we've you're a little bit into it here, has anybody really stood out down there at the high school level uh, as you look to next year's draft?
2: Yeah, I mean there have been some some really really good uh, arms, especially uh, in the early going. Um, Kumar Rocker uh, is a guy that about to keep an eye out. Or and the thing that really stood out with him and coming in, I had heard that you know he was kind of all projection, all fastball, but uh, the secondary stuff not very good. Uh, he threw some really good breaking balls uh, in, in his outing here, which was just absolutely dominant. Uh, I think was up to to uh, ninety six, just about. Um, you know, so he's the guy. Said uh, Ethan Hankins is another uh, another right-hander that you want to keep an eye out for. Uh, yeah, he was up to ninety five. Um, another guy. Didn't have good reputation for a breaking ball. Still, still a work in progress, but through a better one than I've seen uh, here. Uh, so the first two days, like, have been almost all pitching, uh, guys dominating. And then uh, today, as we as we record this on Thursday, the bats sort of came alive. Uh, Jared Kellenick, you know, Jim wrote a, a sort of fun mock draft at the end of this year's draft for next year's, and, and Kellenick was. Was pretty high on that list. Uh, really, really good left-handed hitter. He hit a ball out here, and it is you know, Tim. You've been down here. You don't see, you don't see a whole lot of home runs here, um, and there were uh, three in, in the early game here on Thursday. And Kellner hit, uh, hit one out to, to, to right field so that went a pretty long way.
1: All right, guys, great stuff, and we will get a full recap again, I guess, next week on the Tournament of Stars as it wraps up, and we'll see who makes that U eighteen team and. Uh, We'll look ahead from there. Great stuff, as always. This has been the Pipeline Podcast. Thanks a lot to Jim and Jonathan. As always, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.